Welcome to a ride on the outside. MMA is full of people on the inside, but what about the ones that watch from beyond? Welcome to the MMA Outsiders with Tom Albano and Zan Bando on the Empty the Bench Podcast Network. Uh, it's episode 33 of the MMA Outsiders. Zan, as you mentioned before I started recording, UFC 33 was cursed. UFC 233 was cursed. This episode, behind the scenes, somewhat cursed. Let's try to make this as smooth sailing of an episode as possible, despite the 33 in there. I think I think we can I think we can do it. Um, I have full I have full confidence in us that we've done thirty two. We can make it through thirty three. It's going to be great. It's a little bit of a a lighter show, but a heavier show. It's in many respects. Tom, I'm happy to be with you again. And this week, it feels like we just came off of a banner weekend, and there's still so much to talk about. But before we get into that, make sure. To like and subscribe, make sure to follow the MMA Outsiders all across social media at MMA Outsiders ETV. I'm Zan Bando. You can find my work at BJPen.com. I'm a staff writer over there. You can find Tom's work, who's to my left on my screen, over at Fanside at MMA. And then, of course, he and I host this crazy show together. And speaking of crazy, we do have a lot to get into because, Tom, let's face it, UFC 287 was an absolutely unbelievable pay-per-view. Some people across social media are already saying that it is the best pay-per-view of the year so far. Um, we're going to get into a little bit of a briefer recap of that event because we actually did a post-fight live stream on Sunday morning, which was very entertaining. That was about an hour and a half of us screaming at each other over how good the fights were. So if you, <laughs> so if you want to go check that out, that'll be in the description it is also on the MMA Outsiders playlist as well. But let's get right into it because we have a new UFC middleweight champion for the first time. Sorry, go, go, go ahead. Okay, yeah, hold on, Dan. There's something we got to mention. So, obviously, we've got UFC 287 to talk about. We'll also mention UFC Kansas City that's coming up this weekend. But as you said, Dan, uh, I'm going to peel the curtain back a little bit. A lot of talk about how we were going to handle this show, uh, how long we should mention 287, so that way we can get uh, that little hour and a half, uh, you know, show a little promotion, you know, because, again, we'll go into briefly touching on UFC 287 today, and for the fuller context, you can check out our post show that we did on Sunday morning. But you know who the biggest benefiter to, the, um, to our little disagreements from earlier is? It's all of you out there, because... We have a guest fighter who will be joining us on this episode. Hong Lang and San, the former middleweight and light heavyweight champion of one championship, will be joining this program towards the end. Yeah, I'm very excited. This was a fantastic interview. He gave me a lot of interesting insight into his fight with Fan Rong. He will be taking, he will be competing on the one FC uh, fight night card that's taking place May 5th on Amazon Prime Video, uh, which is of course headlined by the huge. Johnson versus Mariah's trilogy. He's a part of that card. So is Sage Northcutt. Gave me a lot of good insight as he's only about a month out from his fight. Uh, gave me a lot of good insight as to who is as an opponent, uh, when he'd like a Ritter trilogy to potentially happen, and so much more. So be sure to check that out at the very end of the episode. Again, I think on first time, I know he's a very busy man because when he's in when he's in his car, that means he's pretty busy, as he has been for the last 400 years now. He's been traveling. Mine was no different. So be sure to check that out at the very end of the show. It was a very fantastic interview. And again, I am very much appreciative of on for his time. And of course, you and I are looking forward to his fight as well. So be sure to check that out. Yeah, I got to make sure. Actually, Zan, that, that first weekend in May is going to be packed. You're going to have one championship's first U.S. Uh, first US show. And then you're going to have UFC 288 that next day in, um, at the Prudential Center. And then, of course, you cannot forget we're going to have Canelo versus John Ryder in Mexico the same night as uh, 288. Yeah, that that's going to be a quite the busy Cinco de Mayo weekend. But that's Cinco de Mayo weekend. That's a month away. Zan, as you mentioned, we have a new UFC middleweight champion for the second time in about a five-month span or so. 
Israel Adesanya has regained the championship. And to quote what I've been saying on social media and on all these platforms all, all the last few days, Israel Adesanya has finally beaten his boogeyman. He has finally knocked out Alex Pereira, and he is now a two-time middleweight champion. He has once again taken his place atop of the UFC's 185-pound division, and he did it in pretty spectacular fashion. Yeah, very spectacular fashion. Caught Pereira with a with a nasty right hand at the temple that put his lights out. Very reminiscent, not really, but in some respects, reminiscent of the knockout that we saw about 13 or so years ago when Dan Henderson knocked out Michael Bisping. It felt very similar to that knockout. I actually, speaking of how great this win was, I wrote a I wrote a column. It is not out yet. It was for a it was for a graduate school assignment. And my headline is was Israel Adesanya moves one step closer to achieving you know his goal of being in the UFC Hall of Fame. And I really do think that that performance showed it. He also made a lot of history that I don't think people realize. Tom, that was his tenth title fight. Number one, number two, he's the first fighter, and I could not believe this as I was going through my data research. He's the first fighter in middleweight history to lose the belt and then in his very next fight win the belt back. Think about how long the middleweight divisions have been around. Think about how many times the belt has changed hands. Think about how long Anderson Silva held the belt. And to now see a fighter lose the belt and then win it back in the same division for the first time in divisional history, becoming the sixth fighter in UFC history to ever do that, it's pretty darn impressive. And I think it shows as I've alluded to across social media and on this very show, he's just simply on a different level. Yeah, absolutely on a different level. And what's funny is it looked like that he might have been in trouble. So we were, we were talking, and I made mention of this on the uh, post-fight stream the other day, Zan. Um, you were kind of right in this regard in that basically the fight kind of played out, at least the fight for what it lasted, because it only lasted two rounds. That first round, though, played out almost eerily similar to that the first the first MMA fight the third fight overall the one that took place in in November in that it was very slow you saw Pereira I mean uh Adesanya basically keeping his distance trying to use his range trying to ensure that uh Pereira stayed out of range so yeah way he could stay away from the power of Pereira and then Pereira kind of digged in during that second round, had Adesanya's back up against the cage, and he had Adesanya had his guard up, but it, it looked like Adesanya could have been in trouble, looked like maybe if a certain referee had been in there that maybe that fight could have been stopped. But Oh, well, I, I see, I see the dig. I see the dig you took there. Okay, okay. Hey, you're not you're not wrong. You're not you're not. You're not wrong. Let me just let me just, let me just put it to you straight. You are you are absolutely 100 right. And, and but Adesanya was given the little extra chance, at, you know, enough time, and then one, two, boom, over the top right. And Pereira, I mean, we saw Pereira. I I, I know Adesanya got stretchered out of the kickboxing ring in that second kickboxing fight they had. I think the knockout that Adesanya had in this fight was a lot more brutal than the one that got uh, uh, Adesanya stretched out in the kickboxing fight. That was no, Pereira was no, out cold. No, he was he was out cold for sure. Um, something that I cannot, I cannot, I I would be remiss if I didn't mention this on this show. But Tom, I really hope that if you've been on social media the last few days, I have to know your opinion on the brilliant bow and arrow edit that was created of this knockout that makes it look like Adesanya is putting a bow oh, to Pereira's heart as he's on the ground. It, it, it has to be the craziest MMA edit I've ever seen, which which, which makes the knockout even, even cooler. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's like I, I think I saw the edit you're referring to, and the edit you're referring to basically talking about Adesanya finally slaying his demon, and that's the whole running thing of this. Pereira, I mean, think about it. The first time Pereira won a, a close decision. The second time, Adesanya was winning the fight and then got brutally knocked out. The third time, the first MA fight, Pereira was, I mean, Adesanya was winning the fight and Pereira brutally knocked him out at the end. And now it finally takes the fourth time for Adesanya to do it. And, and, and not just do it and have that 
I mean, that celebration, Zan, was one of the biggest outpourings of emotion I've ever seen in the Octagon. To think of all the trouble that Adesanya went through. To think about, Zan, this fight. And you saw basically everyone, a lot of people, myself included, saying, oh, it's happened three times. It's going to happen again. He had the dog collar around his neck at the pre-fight press conference. He came out the headstrong. A lot of people gave him crap or all that kind of stuff. And I said... Basically, that this showed an Adesanya of absolute focus. Would it help him? I don't know. And well, clearly, clearly it did. And as far as the legacy goes, then, which, by the way, we also mentioned on the pre-fight stream. Yeah, I mean, post-fight stream. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that this absolutely is going to get him another step closer because, I mean, like you mentioned, nobody in middleweight history and very few fighters have ever regained the belt back in the very next fight. I mean... We talk about Stipe Miocic and Amanda Nunes are two fighters in mind who have who have done that, won the belt back in their next fight. And we talk about how they're Hall of Famers. Yeah, and then and then I think I think the most famous one that you're weaving out, and it's totally understandable because it was even a hard list for me to compile. The one that I think is the most famous is George St. Pierre, losing his belt to Matt Serra and then winning it at UFC two eighty three. He's also on the list. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the this is pretty impressive. It's Stipe Miocic and Amanda Nunez, um, Israel Adesanya, um, and then I think, if I'm not mistaken, it's like it's a couple other it's a couple other notable champions. The one thing that I that I took away from it was the only fighter that's in the Hall of Fame from this, you know, lose the belt and and win it back. The other one that just came to mind was Brandon Moreno. The only one that 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 comes to mind where it's like you, you lose it and then you win it back. Who's in the Hall of Fame is George St. Pierre's. Oh, just it, it goes to show how hard it is to lose it and then win it again. Agreed. Uh, agreed. It absolutely is difficult, and it's more and it's difficult to be hunted instead instead of the hunter. Um, I do think, however, Stan, that statistic's not going to hold because Stipe Miocic's going to the Hall of Fame. Amanda Nunes is going to the Hall of Fame, and definitely Israel Adesanya is going to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah, I think the statistic more so is who is and is in the Hall of Fame. The statistic is more so that Adesanya is on a list of like five or six fighters who have lost the belt and then won it back in reverting. It just happens to be that right now at this very minute, St. Pierre is the only one that's in the UFC Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Um. The only debate now is at this point, where do we go next with um, Israel Adesanya? We touched upon that again during our post-fight uh, stream. I mean, there are rumors Pereira might go up to 205. Dana White kind of implying that maybe that's going to be the next step, which would be great for the light heavyweight division. But as far as the middleweight division goes, I mean, if you're not going to do the trilogy and both Izzy and Dana don't seem like they want to do the trilogy then where the hell do you go from there? Because Adesanya has beaten everybody in the top five. Oh, sorry, say it again. Uh, I was saying that Adesanya, about what was next. So Adesanya has basically beaten everybody in the top five, but he and Dana don't, apparently both don't want to do the trilogy. Yeah, I mean, they. I mean, it's obvious that they think that this rivalry has been settled. I think a lot of people... On the outside, disagree. I think the 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 D, the demotion instead of the promotion of of the trilogy is very interesting. And actually, the demotion of it, if they end up going the trilogy route in some form or fashion, might actually end up making the fight a lot bigger. Because I think if you look at the fan support across social media, it seems to me like more more people than not they want to see the trilogy, whereas the UFC and Israel Adesanya, they don't. I'm a little bit mixed on it, but as we alluded to on Sunday, if you're going to do Amanda Nunes versus Juliana Pena, by, by that same logic, in my opinion, you have to do Pereira versus Adesanya 3. But listen listen to this, though. How about this? How about, how about, how about this scenario? Alex Pereira moves up to 205, beats Jamal Hill, or whoever has the belt. It could be Jamal Hill or Magomed Ashwaii. Champ versus Champ. 100%. You you took you took the words right out of my mouth. That's exactly what I was thinking. Dylan Rush alluded to it. Several other MMA journalists have already played the theory in their heads. We a lot of us a lot of us in in this immediate space 
think that if the UFC really wants to do the 205 thing, that's how that's how they're going to do it. The only thing I could see that are issues here about all this scenario is: Do you give really give Pereira a title shot at 205 off of a loss? Do you, are you going to complicate that, that that division even further? When granted, there's not a lot of star power there, but you got Magomed and Kalayev who could have had a claim to the championship in December. Yuri Prohaska technically never lost the championship in the octagon; he vacated it due to injury. So that's it. So that division's kind of in shambles. <clears throat> Here's an interesting scenario for you, though, Zan, because we talked about if Izzy had lost. Maybe he and Usman perhaps switch places and Izzy drops to welterweight and Usman goes up to middleweight. What about the possibility of Izzy doing champ champ going down and challenging Leon or Colby for the welterweight title? I I think that's least likely just considering that there's so many challengers at 170 that still need that still need a shot. That's including, fair. Including the aforementioned Bilal, remember the name Muhammad. So, That's fair, considering I was going off on Sunday talking about how he deserves a shot, or, or uh, not even Sunday, last week's episode. No, that you're 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 not wrong there either. But of course, besides Israel Adesanya's greatness, Tom, we also had some other interesting fights on the card, and of course, we had the retirement of one Jorge Gamebred Masvidal. He retired following a unanimous decision loss to Gilbert Burns in a fight that was pretty underwhelming, and. Uh, if you want to tell me that Jorge Masvidal won the first round, you clearly don't know how MMA scoring works. So, so let's just put it that way. It was a clear unanimous decision win for Gilbert Burns. Tom, not much really more so to say on this fight than the fact that Jorge Masvidal did not look like himself. And Gilbert Burns is still one of the baddest dudes at 170, whether you like it or not. And is still very much in the mix for a coveted title shot. And of course, Dana White being Dana White, pretty much saying, quote, done, uh, referring to Gilbert Burns being the backup for what would be um, UFC 291 in London uh, for for Edwards versus Covington. Well, what was interesting in that post-fight press conference, Land was he was in demanding mode. Like, Burns was smiling with his joy self, but said, if I'm not the backup fighter for Leon versus Colby, then I want out of the UFC which is a pretty damn thing to say and a pretty bold thing to say. I mean, considering the fact that you've got, you know, Francis Ngannou still on the market, still a free agent, but not a bad situation when you consider that Bellator and PFL probably all would have been and won championship and all of them would probably have been scrambling to get Gilbert Burns if he ever Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Tom, I, I understand your argument, although I do think it's a little bit too far-fetched. Let's be with. Let's be honest here. I think that Gilbert Burns was overreacting a little bit. I think the point is, is Gilbert Burns wants a piece of the welterweight title. He wants another shot at it. His whole point, I think, in saying all that to, to threaten the UFC is he's he's essentially just saying, gosh, dang it, get me get me in the mix. That's his whole – Which, Dan, I need to say is also technically fair because I did say last week, the welterweight division is entirely clean again with Leon besting Usman, so all the matchups are fresh again. But it, again, it points to, again, Zan, the inexplicable decision of it, when you've got Gilbert Burns coming off of this win, you've got Bilal Muhammad, who's on the win streak he's on, but you're picking Colby Covington, whose last win and last fight was against Masvidal a year ago. Yeah, I mean, the UFC is going to UFC. There's not really much you can say. I mean, now now it makes sense because now they can build the whole UK versus USA narrative and build the fight around that. I yeah. honestly think the only reason, and we mentioned this last week and the week before, this is all monetization thing. They want to build the biggest money welterweight fight they can, and this is what they've come up with because I think they're worried that Bala Muhammad and this is no disrespect to Bilal Muhammad. He's a he's a great fighter in his own right. There's no doubt he deserves a crack at the welterweight title at some, at some point in the next year. It's just the issue is, as you just alluded to a second ago, Bilal Muhammad cannot sell pay-per-views the same way that Colby Covington can, which is why they're going in the direction they are. They're not willing to admit it, but that's the that's the reason. And you're 100 percent right. And by the way, just to add a little context. Again, for those who missed the post-fight stream and post-fight press conference in general from Dana White, 
Um, he basically alluded that the UFC is going to return to London in July. Right now, it is scheduled for a fight night, but Dana admitted he wants to make it a pay-per-view. And Damon Martin from MMA Fighting also reporting that basically what the hope is, is that International Fight Week UFC 290 July 8th, and then three weeks later, like kind of similar to what they did with two weeks in March, three weeks later, the UFC would return to London for 291. And I said on the post-fight stream, highly suspect, and as Zan kind of alluded to, it would probably be Leon Edwards versus Colby Covington there. Leon in his home country again, July, of course, having the month of uh, the 4th of July in that month. Yeah, Colby Covington, big Mr. USA, a UK versus USA matchup with Colby's healness. They're, they're, you're right, Zan. This is they're trying to draw money. Well, yeah, and also one part that you left out of Damon Martin's report, no big deal. Interesting to note, though, the targeted date for what would be UFC 291 is July 29th. 2029, yes. Yeah. Uh, but as far as Masvidal goes, I mean, he didn't look great. It didn't look like he had the ability to pull the trigger for some reason. He just never really got into another the next gear. Um, but that doesn't take away from the fact that, I mean, it's perfect timing for him to retire, but I think it's just, it's, you know, it's time, but it doesn't take away from the fact that 20 years in this sport, 52 fights and Zan, he is probably one of the best rags, literal rags to riches stories in this sport. Oh, for sure. I mean, mean, the guy started in the internet street fight age and look at where he is now. And he, just traded wins and losses in the UFC. Didn't know how his career was going to go. Then he had that incredible 2019 and his legacy has been built ever since. Um, nonetheless, um, nonetheless, uh, not a pretty record to go out with, but Hey, he's one of the, he's one of the best welterweights to ever do it. He wore his heart on his sleeve and I truly wish him the best of luck in retirement wholeheartedly. And I don't, don't think he should be he should be knocked down for the performance and no. he had he he did he did the best he possibly could it just was the was the hand that he was dealt and and he did the best he possibly could and for sure we we wish him the best in retirement huge win for Gilbert Burns though uh, no question about it absolutely and you know we kind of joked over the last several weeks about Masvidal versus McGregor or the performance Masvidal had though kind of killed any. Like, it was already dead, but it really further killed any hope or momentum I would have to see that fight. But granted, Masvidal's not going to be hurting, and his post-fight career is kind of set up Tuesday. And I mean, you were at Game Bread Boxing 4. I, I, th- that guy's going to be going to be tremendous as a boxing promoter with these Game Bread Boxing cards. Yeah, and I'll, pro- and I'll probably end up being a regular most of them, so uh, it, it, it works out. It works out. But that way too. By the way, Dana White did mention that he was very impressed with the production and and be and being there live to see what it looked like on TV and in person. He was not wrong at all. So, um, yeah. All right. Uh, just gonna quickly go through the rest of the main card fights. Rob Font knocked out Adrian Yanez. Um, I think Font. This was an excellent performance. A needed bounce back. You know, his first fight in about a year, and he shows that he can still. You know. He's still capable of being in that bantamweight title scene. Alas, of course, we got to figure out what's next for that bantamweight scene with Aljamain Sterling and Henry Cejudo next month. And of course, Zan, we've talked about before, if Cejudo wins that fight, that's probably going to be mean Marab Dibalashvili will get a title shot after that. Um, so Fond is still in the mix. Yanez, I mean, this is just, you know, Yanez is a young guy, was facing some competition. Was He was in some, you know, prospect good prospect competition but rob font is another level so this is just adrian Yanez, you know hopefully a small blip on the radar he's just got to go back to the drawing board and improve on himself um and by the way tony kelly uh probably an awful look on social media by trying to drag adrian Yanez down yeah i mean there's not much more you can say about that whole thing than exactly that very, very classless on the part of Tony Kelly. Uh, but hopefully with Adrian Yanez, like you said, hopefully a little blip on the radar. I'm sure Zen, you know, he's not going to take a huge dip with the rankings. And no, he, no, I think he's still, I think he's still going to be top 10 ranked at some point within the next year or two. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I don't see, 
I don't see him going going um, backwards. I see him only improving from here on out. And hopefully his stock didn't drop considering that Font is one of the best in the world. So there mm-hmm. you go. Uh, two guys who definitely needed a win. Kevin Holland, Santiago Ponzinibbio. Uh, I mean, this was a clear Kevin Holland fight, and this was the fight he kind of needed. Uh, yeah, uh, no kidding. And um, Santiago Ponzinibbio has been around a long time, and Holland made him look like he only had four fights in the UFC. And, you know, this is a fight that should hopefully get Kevin Holland's confidence back on track. Still needs to work on his wrestling as much as he likes to fight over people on Twitter about that. It's still true. This fight didn't really need the ground. But I do think this was a nice bounce back win. And hopefully Kevin Holland can really go into not a real camp, but go into a camp where he's laser focused and can master all the tools to still make an other run this time at 185. So and then he can be the loud mouth all he wants. <laughs> True. Uh, True. Raul Rosas Jr. I mean, not and not a good looking performance again. Christian Rodriguez looked good in the first round, and then once he was faced with some adversity at the start of the second, things just kind of slipped away from him. Yeah, I mean, all this really is is a warning experience for Raul Rosas Jr. Only 18 years old. I know we had a huge debate about this on the post-fight stream on Sunday about is the UFC pushing him too fast? Hey, look, the UFC is doing what they're doing. They, they, they. You, you even alluded to it too. Dana White has alluded to it several times. They are really screwing over what could be a mega market in Mexico. As I'm gonna, I'm gonna say the same thing I said the other day because I'm gonna stand behind it until he shows me otherwise. They know what they're doing with Rosas Jr. Christian Rodriguez was a solid prospect himself. I just think the lack of experience for Rosas Jr. kind of hurt him a little bit. Has a lot to work on with his takedown defense and his gas tank. Well, once he fixes those two things, I think he'll be just fine. And I think the sky's the limit for him still has the personality, the charisma, the exciting style, everything. It's just that Rodriguez a little bit more experienced, a little bit more polished, and that's who he simply ran into. And I think he'll be okay. Which again. Maybe I'm just a little more skeptical because we've seen cases where the UFC tries to get a rock behind somebody and it doesn't really work out with them. But you're right that Raul Rosas Jr. is only 18 years old, so definitely needs more time. But I stand by my point, and I'm glad you agreed with it, and even Dana has admitted to it. Was some A case like this is just showing how bad the UFC is screwing up its Mexico market. That with three Mexican champions right now, a prospect like this, you're not going to have a card in Mexico. And hell, you may not even have three champions soon enough if Volkanovski beats Yair Rodriguez in their undisputed title fight in July. Yeah, this Mexico plan could be could be burning could be burning in flames before you could even say blink at at, at this point at this point in time. Um, nonetheless, though, that's what that's what opened the main card. Uh, the, those are our thoughts on, on, on the UFC 287 fights themselves. Again, if you want to hear more, you can check out the Sunday the Sunday morning live stream. Just a little clarification on those. We'll try to do those when the card actually means something, when there are bigger names on the card. So mm-hmm. tentatively, this is not set in stone for the second one, but assuming that UFC 290 goes up without a hitch and it's the fights we think they're going to be, you can... And on, you can plan on having a live stream around the bigger cards, so presumably the July card, the October card, what have you, um, et cetera, et cetera. So we hope if you've seen that, you enjoyed it, and uh, we look forward to providing more unique content like that, similar to the breaking news stream with Francis Ninga. So hopefully you guys got a chance to check that out, and if you haven't and you want to hear more about our thoughts, you can go over there as well. But we just wanted to quickly clarify that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Good to clarify on there. Um, as far as the rest of the card, I mean, Curtis versus Gaston was a fight of the night. Um, overall, Sanford grade, I'd say either around A- minus or B+. Plus. I don't know if I could sit, call it fight card of the year. I think this one and 285, and I want to say 285 March, the Jones card might still hold a little bit of a lead over it. It's a little back. It's a neck and neck between those two so far. Yeah, I would still put UFC 285 at number one. I would put this card at number two. As far as a grade, an A minus is a solid grade, and the UFC should would be very happy. Their first show in Miami in 20 years was a success, 
And as Dana White alluded to, they're going to try to make Miami a year destination. So if you're looking to get a vacation in in mid-April, that's a destination that is a can't miss, assuming that the the main events are going to be just as good as Adesanya versus Pereira. So there's that UFC 287 is now officially in the books. And for the most part, I thought it was a very solid show and one that I enjoyed without a doubt. For sure. All right, a couple of news and notes. First, a couple of them from UFC 287. We're not going to spend too much on those, but I thought it was worth mentioning about Dana White's performance at the pre-fight press conference. First of all, not saying anything about the WWE Endeavor deal, which, I mean, kind of fair, maybe because it had just happened. Saturday, he opened up a little more into it, although nothing that the other news reports really haven't already said. And granted, we're still waiting some information about this Endeavor deal. We still don't know the, the full name of it yet. Um, but the other thing was Masvidal and Kevin Holland got into a little beef, a little scramble at the um, at the uh, fighter hotel during the fight week. A journalist asked about it, and basically Dana was not too happy. No, he wasn't. And, uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the first person and to ask him was Oscar Willis of the Mac Life, and he got totally yeah. shut shut down for that. He got shut down. Somebody else got shut down. Um, the schmo even got shut down when he was <laughs> about, about you know who would you want to give up the chair first? And his and his question was funny, but did you see? <laughs> this is this is the part we didn't talk about on Sunday. Did you see in the comments section that 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 someone? Should have asked the same question in Spanish. Use the shit out of Tatum. <laughs> I thought. I thought that. I thought that was absolutely classic. Oh my god! But Dana did seem a little more uptight, and I, I get it. You know that those two weren't fighting. It wasn't their fight, and it was Masvidal's last fight because, of course, he has a loss. But so, and I think. But it's like. People- but it's like you're the. It's like you're the UFC. You you don't think someone's gonna ask you about that? Like, I, 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 I know I know the talk about all oh, the media just stirring the pot, but isn't that kind of you know if something happened between Holland and Masvidal at the press conference? I mean, granted, there's lines you don't cross. You know, something could be kind of related, but yeah, if they got into a shouting match with one another, you wouldn't want that publicity. Yeah, I don't know. The UFC is weird like that. Um. The, Dana, weird, my point was just that Dana was a little more uptight than normal. You no, know, he sure was. He was even more uptight when he said, "I will effing attack you if you do that," which mm-hmm. was which which was very interesting. But you know how Dana can be moody sometimes when it comes to the MMA media. Yeah, um, which I was, was going to mention because, like, he attacked the schmo. I'm like, weren't he and the schmo boys a couple of years ago? Yeah, and they still are. He still gets interviews with him all the time. I. I don't know if Dana was half kidding or what, but that was that was that was that was hilarious. It made it made Dana look like an angry grandpa, as some people, <laughs> as, as some people were alluding to in the comments. I'm telling you what, I'm telling you what, it is a it is a absolutely hilarious activity to, to just go through the comment section of the most random UFC video. You will you will find you will, you will find some of the funniest things you have ever read. <laughs> It's it's hilarious. Um, we talked about this on the uh, post fight stream on Sunday about Sam Hughes, who won the opening prelim bout, but admitted basically at the press conference that her boyfriend bet a thousand dollars on her to win. Of course, that would go against the UFC's gambling policy that was put in place around the time of the whole James Krause situation. Um, as of Tuesday, the night of Tuesday, the eleventh, and probably since it's already night. By the time this airs, there is no update on the Sam Hughes situation. Uh, Zan, I don't want to see anything bad happen to Sam, but if we're going on the seriousness of this, I mean, this is damned if you do, damned if you don't. Damned if you do, because you may have to fire Sam Hughes for this if you're going to go on your word. And Sam Hughes, after that performance and the kind of personality she has, kind of sucks that you have to fire her. But if you don't, then the gambling policy that you just put in is kind of already already it's starting to be screwed around. What do you what? So I'm going to counter that and say, what do you think of, um, what do you think of that question not being brought up by a single media member when Dana White 
is made available to everyone. This is one of those situations where I'm going to criticize the media because that was a big talking point on Saturday and nobody's going to bring that up. Yeah, I think my my opinion, and I could be very wrong, but my opinion, I, I think, is the fear is is the uh, is the, is the fear of of losing your of losing your credential. The, even though we always talk about as journalists, we have to hold every single person we speak to accountable. But knowing but but knowing the UFC, they're like a little mini PR machine. But I'm that I'm not discrediting any of the MMA media that does outstanding work. There are plenty of MMA media that does outstanding work. I mean, Zan, you are the, sorry, Zan, but, but this this is just the problem of a body like the UFC being bigger than just about everybody else in the MMA media and in the MMA sphere. Mm-hmm. Well said. Uh, but so yeah, that's the problem. So you know, you're maybe you're right about the fear of losing credentials, but I mean, this is a situation that should be talked about. And again, if this, you know, it's damned if you do, damned if you don't. Either Sam gets fired, or all of a sudden now we can rightfully criticize the gambling policy that the UFC put in. Because again, you don't want to relive this. The the, the whole James Krause situation was such a black eye on the sport. Hmm. Well, I think the reason why you're not hearing more about it is because I don't think there's enough social media uproar about it. That's that's my theory. I could be wrong about that. Uh, but if more people keep speaking up, then maybe the UFC will do something about it. Maybe they won't. At this point, though, as you alluded to, the night of April 11, 2023, and into the morning hours of April 12, 2023, we've heard nothing about it, which presumably means we probably won't unless something really bad happens that that triggers this whole incident again i don't know what that would be but you never know so for sure uh pfl also had a card over the weekend larissa pacheco i easily beat julia but julia i don't know she was slow to start sure her takedowns didn't really work the things that she was landing on the ground didn't really match what larissa was throwing uh which is not a good fight for julia but not a good fight in general no, not a good fight in general. And uh, one small comment, I think it just goes to show how kind of poor the first two weeks of PFL have been. And it's really unfortunate just considering that Bachanko, you know, the the one that the one that dethroned Kayla Harris and the one that the whole promotion was behind. And now it's just like the PFL has gone back into its normal self of just not being as innovative as, you know, we would have hoped. So, yes. And, Sorry, real real hot take. Um, we talked about the term fumbling the bag a lot early in this uh, the first third of this uh, year of um, mixed martial arts. The PFL entered this year with an opportunity to, to become the number two MMA promotion in the world. And it, it has been one of the biggest fumblers of this year in mixed martial arts so far. Yeah, you want to talk about a fumble and a flop. This is... Uh... This is everything and everything that a flop is it could look for. And this is exactly what we're getting two weeks into the season. So there you go. Uh, some other news to mention. Here's one that's worth mentioning and why we were kind of alerting to about Sunday and being a little scared. So at the post-fight press conference, and we didn't actually touch upon it too much on Sunday about this headline specifically, but there were reports that were coming out before. But at the press conference, Dana was asked about what's going on with John Jones. And basically, he said Jones won his fight in March and then basically disappeared. So, which confirmed some reports that Helwani and others were having that potentially Jones Stipe for UFC 290 International Fight Week could be in jeopardy. Um, I personally, I don't think there's too much to read into it because Dana, in that same statement, all also said that Jones wants the Stipe fight. So until the fight is officially off for UFC 290, I don't think I would, I don't think I would read into it all that much. Although it was a fair question and something that people should know, just considering we are about two months out from the event. So there you go. That's really all you can really say, given the information that we have. But it's clear, according to Dana, that Jones wants the Stipe fight. It's just a matter of when it'll be. All right, fair, but I think my point from Sunday still stands that with a Hall of Fame class that you've got, I love Alex versus Volk. I want to see it. I'm highly excited for that. 
that cannot be the 290 main event. It needs to be Jones versus Stipe. You need one of the goats of this sport versus one of the goats or the goat of the heavyweight weight class. You need that fight to headline. And again, you know, you uh, with the exception of um, Connor versus Poirier 3, I mean, the last few years of International Fight Week, and I don't think 21 was even an official International Fight Week. I think that was in no, September. No, no, no. Listen, the, the McGregor Poirier event that I went to, unfortunately, was not even an official IFW. You're, so, you're right. So, so, yeah, 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 yeah. You're so right. My point is that you, you, so my point is, you need with a Hall of Fame class like this, and to give International Fight Week a little more momentum, you need something like Joan Stipe. Agreed. Agreed. We'll see. We'll be covering UFC 290 all the way up until the week of the fight. So we'll keep you posted on when a main event is announced, who it'll, it'll be, and and I know, and I and and I know. Oh, you know this, but um, but it, but it'll be uh, Yara Rodriguez versus Volk for the uh for, for the title and that card um instead of Volk since of course um Volk just fought Islam. So there you there you go. For sure. Uh, did you see this little footage of Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz at the Israel Adesanya after party? <laughs> um, of 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 course, and I was the one that uh brought it to your attention. Uh, me being an OG fan of the sport as much as you, um, I never thought I would see the day that Chuck Liddell and Tito would be partying together. But Tom, the thing that took my breath away was, wow, Chuck Liddell has. Gained some serious weight. <laughs> yeah, he's not. Uh, I mean, he's not fighting anymore. Uh, so I guess he, you know, uh, you know, it's like at this point, live and let live. Truly, you just never would have thought that Chuck and Tito would be in the same room. Uh, oh, I mean, it, it looked like Chuck still looked at him with a little bit of like, "Why the hell is this guy next to me?" kind of vibes. But hey, I gotta ask, what do you think of Chuck Liddell helping Pereira out and then ending up at Israel Adesanya's after party? Go. <laughs> uh, loyalty means nothing in mixed martial arts, and it's just a word. Uh, apparently, and that just shows the one thousandth example in the last ten years as to why your point stands. So there, you, there, there you go. Do you think uh, since he, since Tito was at the after party, do you think he was in the crowd in Miami? Do you think he shook hands with Trump? <laughs> uh, I wouldn't doubt it, considering who else was at the event um, in terms of celebrities. I would not. I would. I would not doubt it. Did you hear that? Apparently, uh, former President Trump, Kid Rock, Mike Tyson, Dana all walked out together. They all walked out together conveniently. Uh, the, the the DJ had just turned on Kid Rock's old song "American Badass." <laughs> just funny to me. Yeah, and apparently that was not planned. Apparently, it wasn't. Which 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 makes it which makes it even funnier. Um, and as and as I alluded to on Sunday, the as the best caption that I saw of the picture of 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 those guys was insane and rotation from Ben the Bane Davis, which today. <laughs> Which, 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 at at the time of this recording is still going massively viral with over one thousand one hundred retweets. Absurd, absolutely absurd. Ah, uh, God bless you. Wanna, you want you you want to talk about you you want to talk about MMA Twitter legends? He has to be. He has to be top five. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, all right, Dan. Before we get to your interview with uh. Online song. We've got some fights we got to talk about this weekend. We got Kansas City. UFC's return to Kansas City. Yes, it's a fight night on in the Apex. Thank God. Yeah, and uh, my heart still hurts because I won't be there, but I'm still excited to see the fights. Considering it is the only Midwest UFC event that's on the books, I'm still hoping for more Midwest shows, not holding my breath. So, unfortunately, newsflash. Yours truly will not be in Kansas City this weekend. I wish I was going. Nonetheless, a banger main event. Max Holloway versus Arnold Dale went a lot on the line. What do you like in this fight on Saturday, Tom? Uh, I mean, Zan, if you know me, you know how much I love Max Holloway. And oh, I have, absolutely. And I have considered Max Holloway. I think I've used him and Whitaker for this example, Zan. You know the term from baseball, quadruple A player? Like, they're too successful to be in triple A, but they're yes, not. Every, yes, every single time those two fight, we always talk about 
of the same analogy. They get there, they're so close, but they can never win the big one every single time. Well, or in their or in their case, they used to have the big one, but they, 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 there's been somebody in their way. In Whitaker's case, Adesanya. In Holloway's case, Volkanovski. Absolutely. So, is the que- my question is? I have a couple of questions about this, Sam. Number one. Okay. So I I took this actually from Craig Allen, the Allen brothers from Fight Night Picks. Um, this is actually going to be the fourth time that Max Holloway fights a Southpaw. And he's 0-3 against Southpaws. You know what those other you know those other three fights, Sam? Uh Conor McGregor is, has to be one, right? Yes. And the other okay. one it, the uh, other one is actually the same fighter twice. Okay, let me uh let me think about this for a second. Uh hang on. Um let's see, Conor McGregor is is one. Um, it would have to be one of Holloway's earlier losses, but now I can't think of who it is. Is it is it Volk? Nope. Who who else has Holloway faced twice? Oh, you're oh now you're now you're making me you're making me think. Hang on. Oh, um uh Brian Ortega. Nope. Well no, well, no that that doesn't make sense because Zan. because he beat him. Zan. Hold on, let me see if you can see the shirt. Oh, Dustin Poirier. Oh, yeah. Dustin Poirier is a softball. Yeah. So both fights against Poirier. So my question is, one, is that going to play a role, the fact that he's facing a softball and Arnold Allen? Two, I mean, he's coming off again, the losses to Volkanovski. And even, Zan, even when he faced, uh, when Holloway faced Jerry Rodriguez, he didn't look all too great. Um, No, No, he didn't. You're right. But number three is also, is this too much too soon for Arnold Allen? So those are like the three questions I'm left with at this point. Okay, uh, I'm not going to answer them in any particular order, but I will say this. Uh, Biggest fight of Arnold Allen's career, I think the pressure of fighting in a fight night main event on regular ESPN winner, I think is going to be too much for him. But I think Holloway wins a five-round decision and outboxes him. What do you think? Yeah, that's going to be my prediction is hopefully this is the fight. I say hopefully as a Holloway supporter, but this is the fight that um, gets Holloway back into back into things he looks like. Kind of like we talked about Gaslam looking like the old Gaslam this past weekend. Holloway looks like the Holloway of normal this weekend. Wins a five-round decision, outboxes Arnold Allen completely. Because um, I think I'll, I will answer my own question about the Southpaw one. Here's what I think. I think when he fought Poirier the first time, Holloway was like 21 years old. You know, like we talked about with Roses, young, still needed to learn to uh, learn more with the game. Same thing with the Conor McGregor fight, because we talked about how that Conor McGregor loss kind of sparked the winning streak. And then the third fight, Zan, he fought Poirier a lightweight, which we have figured out with that fight, plus his unsuccessful attempt to fight Khabib the year prior. Holloway does not have the body for lightweight. No, no, absolutely. So I'm saying you can take those three losses and you could kind of find reasons for them. Right, right, exactly. Even though the second Poirier fight was an absolute war that mm-hmm. and that was a very close judge's decision in a fight that probably Holloway wishes that he would have had back. Um none but my that, expectation, none that, sorry, Sam, but my expectation is that basically um the the, the fact Arnold Allen is a southpaw. Maybe a little trouble, but I don't think it's going to be too much trouble for him. No, I don't. No, I don't think so either. I see Holloway coming out with a win and still remaining um, in the in the mix uh, for sure. In in a very star-studded division that you and I both said is one of the best divisions, not just in the UFC but in the entire sport. So, for sure. Uh, co-main event: Edson Barboza taking on Billy Q. Billy Quarantino. Uh, Edison Barboza is coming off of two losses, this the three losses in his last five. Carantillo is coming off of a win. He's been trading wins and losses as of late in the octagon. Yeah, big big step up in competition for Billy Q. Without a doubt, the biggest name he's ever uh, fought. I think Barboza is in a must-win situation, and I think he gets it done before the third round by TKO. What do you What do you think? Uh... Edson Barboza, first of all, I agree with you, Edson Barboza, and he's absolutely in a must-win situation here. Um, I'll agree with you on Barboza. I don't think he gets the finish, though. I think Billy Q is a little tough for that. I think this one sees the distance again. 
Okay, you think it is a chance to be fight of the night? Absolutely. Excellent. So we both agree on Burbo. Those that there, in in my opinion, no doubt. Even if Quarantillo loses, his stock will not drop at all. Oh, he's one of the most exciting fighters on the entire roster. It should be it should be a a fantastic fight. I love it. Uh, Hulk, Ian Kutalaba taking on Tanner Bowser. Zan Bowser is moving down to light heavyweight for this fight. He's lost three. Of, both of these guys have lost three of their last five. Uh, actually, no. Kutalaba's lost four of his last five. Kutalaba's also lost his last three. Zan, this smells of a uh, loser leaves town. Yeah, I think Tanner Bozer actually, and this is my upset pick, I think, I think Tanner Bozer gets it done and knocks out Kutalaba in the first round. Zan, we agree on an upset pick. I'm also going Tanner Bozer by knockout. Mm-hmm. I think first uh, and first also, And also, I think you can do a quick turnaround have Bozer win this fight and then put him on the card in Canada. I, th- I think, I think, I think it makes a whole lot of sense to do an ESPN uh, main event with Tanner Bozer if he wins on Saturday. That, oh, have him the Nunes Pena card, have him be the headline prelim? Yes, absolutely. I, I kind of like the idea of that. I kind of like the uh, idea. Okay. And, and and as I said before, I think this is loser leaves town. I think Utilava loses this one, and I'm unfortunately probably out of the UFC after this. No doubt. Hey, what can I say? I'm I'm the I'm the I'm the I'm the official matchmaker of the MMA outsiders and the unofficial matchmaker of the UFC. Hopefully, one day <laughs> trying to steal um Sean Obi's job, which would actually be a thrill if I ever if I ever did. <laughs> Uh, also opening up the main card for Kansas City, it's Clay Guida taking on Hoffa Garcia Zen. Th- I see this as a case of Clay Guida doing anything for the promotion. He's one of the most, he's the old, rel- one of the old reliables, and I think he's basically going to play victim to Hoffa Garcia's rising star. Yeah, and as much as I've known Clay Guida personally for now like 14 years, which is pretty wow. crazy uh, on and off, um, I, I used to have a for- Pretty good relationship with his manager too, so I just wanted to disclose that. So Clay Weed is very close to my heart, but this is this is a guy taking on another young up and comer, and you know how the UFC is—they always like to put their old guards in against guys who are still building their name. This is the biggest fight of his career uh, in terms of Garcia, and fortunately, I, I I could see Clay Weed lose this fight, and I could see him retire uh, because of it. Gonna be an interesting weekend in the KC, Zan. Uh, for sure. Before we get to interview, there actually is one more fight. We got, of course, the PFL's got to have their third regular season week this week. Although I do like this main event: OAM Shane Hurricane Burgos. I think Shane Burgos, because of the injury with Marlon Marias from this fall, this is going to be his PFL debut, and I like this yeah. matchup. Yep. Um, out of the three PFL main events so far. Um, I believe this is the best one uh, of of the season. Would you not? Would you not agree? Absolutely, and I think this one actually is going to end up being a banger. Praying. Yeah, I I think I think she in Burgos gets it done in a very close split decision. What do you What do you think? I second that. Shane Burgos split decision. Yeah, I just think uh, Aubin Mercier is a stud. He's gonna he's gonna dance around, make it a, make it a firefight. But I just think that Shane Burgos. Is on a different level. Having that UFC experience, getting released when he did on the street that he was on, I think he's a man on the mission to win uh, the million dollars, and I think he's going to take his uh, his first step uh, towards that for this season. And I actually think it is the second best main event of the whole weekend, without a doubt, and it should over deliver um, on uh, on Friday, without without a doubt. All right, so Zan, want to introduce your guest? Yeah, so uh, stick around. As I said, Angla and Sting, I was able to talk to him um, early, um, earlier yesterday. He was a thrill to talk to again. The former uh, one middleweight and one white heavyweight champion. Um, he will be he fighting Fan Wrong on One FC's first ever show on U.S. soil. Also, be sure to check that out. He, he's also joining the likes of Sage Northcutt, who's on that card, and then of course headlined by A. Johnson and. Um, Adriano Marias, which would be a fantastic trilogy. So stay tuned for the interview with him uh, 
coming up right after this. It was an absolute thrill to talk to him. Very good guy. Seems like a very busy guy in the in the middle of in the middle of going to the gym. But um, we wish him the best of luck in his camp and for his fight. And again, a thrill to talk to him. And uh, we, we we hope you guys enjoy. That there's more interviews to come or or the next several weeks. Those will be announced uh, as they happen. But I hope you enjoy another one of my exclusives on uh, on the. I mean, outside there's one we can say that we were the we, we we were the first to get, which I was pretty which I was pretty proud of. For sure, let's start to that interview right now. Welcome back to MMA yeah, Outsiders. My name is Dan Bando, also a staff writer for BJPen.com. Here with Ong La ahead of his fight on May fifth at One FC Ten. Ong, how are you today? I'm doing very well. Just got a great training session in. Hard, but you know, good. Everything is good. Absolutely, man. So that kind of leads into my first question. How has training camp gone uh, for this fight on the 5th? And uh, what are you most looking forward to about fighting on U.S. soil? I'm looking to put on a performance. I'm uh, Training camp was great. Uh, I'm healthy. I'm able to, you know, unlike my last two previous camps, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm very healthy and I'm ready to go, man. It's uh, it, it's going to be a great camp. and. Uh, and and I, I can't put on I can't wait to put on a great performance. Oh, for sure, absolutely. I mean, your your opponent, um, Ben Rong, obviously a super a super well rounded fighter. What impresses you most about uh, his game? And without going too much uh, into it, what is your uh, what is your game plan going into the fight? Considering that he has a lot of finishes on his record and uh, he likes to push the pace a little bit. What are you What are you most looking forward to about competing against such a high-level uh, competitor? He, he's well-rounded, you know. His striking is decent. His grappling is good. Um, and, and, and he's got a great record. Um, but, but other than that, it's like, it, it's going to be a fight. And, I, and I'm going to and I, and impose my will and my game. And I don't, I don't see it going to the judges. I don't see this fight going to the judges at all. I, I I visualize and I know I'm gonna get the finish. Okay, and do do you have a do you have um a method of victory or a round that you like to get the finish in, or do you just want to finish before uh before the final bell? Uh, anything he gives me, you know, via KO, via submission, you know, whatever's open for me, I'll I'll, I'll take. And and I and I and I'll and I'll push the pace till I get a finish. For sure. Um. Do you do you see any uh do you see any major holes in this game, or do you think he's pretty much around it everywhere? I know you mentioned that he has decent striking, but do you see any major holes that you're hoping to exploit come the night of the fight? Um. I mean, I I see I see some uh some 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 technical uh, holes that I can. I can like, I can game plan against, but but he he's pretty solid. He's pretty solid, well rounded guy. Um, but but I I know of course there are holes, you know, in, in everybody's game, and I, I'm gonna implement my game plan, and I'm gonna uh, push the pace, and I'm, I'm gonna uh, expose his uh, weaknesses. For sure. And would you would you say that? Um, his his biggest weakness is probably um is probably his ground game or his gas tank or do you see a weakness that not a lot of people have noticed yet? Uh, I I think I think he's pretty solid and well rounded. Uh, I can't yet, baby. Uh, no, baby, we can't. Oh, afterwards, okay. After 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 I feed you guys, we can come back here. Sorry about that. I'm sorry. No, no, you're all good, man. I totally, I totally get it. It's, it's, it's a bad car. You have a lot of, you have a lot of, you, you have a lot of different things going on. It's all, it's all good, man. I totally, I totally get it. It's all good. Thank you. Um, but going back to the question, I, I think he's very well rounded, but you can't say his submission game is bad, even though his two losses in one championship is via submission, you know. But the two guys that he fought are very, are very good grapplers. So you can't say that. Um, but, but 
I, I feel like this is a this is a fight where it's going to be exciting because that because of the fact that he is pretty well rounded. The fight's going to go in in all and you know everywhere uh, on the feet on the ground, and it's going to be an exciting one for the fans. For sure. I mean, and obviously, obviously, uh, coming to U.S. soil for the first time, one has put together a very explosive card that includes you on it, and also a familiar face. You're sharing, um, you're sharing the card with uh, Renard Ritter, which I, who I know you have had some previous history with in the past. Is that a trilogy fight you'd like to pursue, um, in the near future? It's given your guys' past history. I know. I know you're obviously not looking at the future opponents, but is he a guy that you'd like to fight again in the near future? Oh, for sure. Uh, the, the plan is to get my belt back, you know, and he has it right now. Um, but no, nothing to me really matters except Fan Rong on May 5th. Um, I, could, I, could share, I could share the card with all my past opponents on that night, but nothing's going to matter. Unless it's uh, uh, except Fan Rong. For sure, and I believe that I believe it's a great mindset to have. Just taking one opponent at a time. Um, obviously, in doing my research and some background prep on you, um, you were for once a beekeeper before transitioning into MMA. Is beekeeping still something that you have a great passion for? And could you and could you see yourself ever doing that again once your MMA career is over? Oh, for sure. You know, I, I, I worked as a beekeeper and I, I, I love the feel of beekeeping. It's, uh, it's good for the environment and it's a, it's a sweet job. <laughs> it's, uh, making honey and all that. It's, it's a sweet job. Um, but, but right now, uh, what I'm pursuing is mixed martial arts and I don't know when I'm going to stop pursuing this, you know, this career. Um, but of course, in the back of my mind, I think about it, you know, maybe one day when everything, you know, when I'm done with this uh, fight career, maybe. Yeah, for sure. Um, obviously, you fought three times in 2022. Is staying active something that you're really focused on in 2023 or are you just taking it one fight at a time? No, I want to stay active, man. I want I want to compete as much as I can this year. You know, I, I know, I know, um, I, I know that I'm not going to fight too many more years, but as long as I'm, as long as I'm still fighting, I want to stay very active. Um, I know in the gym, we spar pretty hard. So, I mean, we spar hard against big hitter, heavy hitters. So I don't, I don't mind getting hit, you know, and I don't mind staying very active. For sure, for man. I guess um, one of my final questions for you is uh, what uh, what what's going to be the plan uh the week of the fight? When are you getting to Colorado? Sort of to get used to the elevation, and do you kind of have that all mapped out yet? Yeah, it's all mapped out. I got an Airbnb already. I'm gonna get out there about ten days early, but uh, not not super early. But the main thing is make sure my conditioning and my my cardio is good. And right now, I'm able to do that. So. It's going to be good. It's I promised the fans a great show. And I've promised the fans, like, it's going to be an explosive. And it's going to be, they're going to, they're going to be in for a treat. That's awesome, man. Well, I really appreciate your time. Uh, a good luck on the 5th and good luck with the rest of training camp. I know you have a lot of um, busy media obligations and fight camps. Have to get to so thanks again for taking a few minutes out of your day to do this with me. And, uh, I will look forward to watching your fight uh, next month. It should be absolutely fantastic. So good luck. That's going to do it for another edition of the MMA Outsiders. A big thank you to Anglin Sung for once again joining us and talking with Zan. A lot that we went on to with 287 in Kansas City. Zan should be another fun weekend of fights. Absolutely. Before we get out of here, what we want to say is please be sure to like and subscribe. Be sure to follow MMA Outsiders all across social media as well as Empty the Bench, of course. You can find my work at bjpen.com. I'm a staff writer over there. You can find Tom's work at Fanside and MMA. You can follow our Twitter accounts respectively at SamBando99, at Thomas J. Albano, and at Tom Talks Sports 9. Uh, before, before we get out of here, as we like to do, as this program 
and tradition. We want you guys to enjoy the fights, good luck on your bets, and of course, be Joe Piper. Be Joe Piper getting a big win over the weekend. Huge win. Huge win. Huge Absolutely. Win. Absolutely. And I, hope, and I hope Dana treated him well because he should have gotten a performance of the night bonus. Absolutely. And uh, I, I do think an MMA outsider's dream come true interview would be would be would be an exclusive with the man with the man and himself. Hopefully if he makes it all the way to the top and is fighting for a number one contender spot or world title, and that would be then that would be the time to give him the shine that he deserves. But of course, as we say every week, be Joe Piper. Be Joe Piper. By the way, also want to throw one other thing out there. So don't know how many of you have been noticing out there, depending on what other shows you watch on the ETV network. But a lot of the ETB Network stuff right now is going up on the audio-only platform. So you want to listen to the MMA Outsiders in audio-only form, check us out. Spotify, Acast, uh, Apple Podcasts, and more. Yeah, so whether you're, uh, whether you're sitting at your desk or you're driving along in your car, you can listen to the MMA Outsiders wherever you may be. And of course, as you guys please know, Tom and I's DMs are always open if you guys have any questions, if you guys want us to add or eliminate segments or have a special guest on, we are always open to suggestions and inquiries. So please support the show however you can. And uh, thanks again for all of your guys' support. We couldn't do it without you. Of course. Have a good day, everybody. Take care. Take care and enjoy the fights. We'll see you next week. Same time, same place.